Whether you're working a corporate job, side hustling, or building a business, Working Girl Talk is the podcast and community for women who work. I'm your host, Abby Zufelt, and I'm here to help you feel confident walking into the workday and to help you get excited about your career. Now, let's talk. friends. Welcome back to Working Girl Talk. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to be back. We have a lot to cover and Becca Booker joins us today and it's going to be so much fun. So right off the bat, I want to say even if you don't work in social media, make sure to stick around because Becca has so much insight and value to offer even if you don't even work in the social media field. As usual, we will dive into the latest business and tech headlines. Let's go. The Verge and Fortune report and almost every other news outlet reported Facebook and Ray-Ban have teamed up and have unveiled smart glasses. They are called Ray-Ban Stories. They have embedded cameras. You can answer calls, listen to music. There isn't an augmented reality function in this iteration, they said. They do cost $299. Facebook is always trying something new, so I do respect that, but this does remind me a little bit of Google Glass. Remember those things? And those didn't take off the way I think Google thought they were, so I'm curious how these will go. Not really sparking my interest, but we'll see. Next headline from CNBC, Amazon is offering to pay the full cost of college tuition, including books and fees, for its 750,000 hourly U.S. employees. This is not the first company to do this. We've seen Walmart do this recently. Starbucks has been doing this for a while. Companies have been really getting in on this perk and benefit because it is such a great benefit and the job market is getting so competitive. Companies are looking for innovative ways to retain and attract employees. Next story from the New York Times, I'm sure you've heard about this, but Elizabeth Holmes, the founder and former CEO of Theranos, that blood testing startup that was like the golden child of Silicon Valley for a minute, the opening arguments of the trial has start, have started this week. She's charged with 12 counts of wire fraud and conspiracy to commit wire fraud. So there's a lot of debate going on around this, both sides. It's like, did she know she was frauding investors or cheating investors? Did she not know? Who knows? We'll see with the trial. But fun fact, I have like a personal, personal interest in this because I actually went to a Theranos clinic in 2015 and got my blood work done usually these kinds of stories it's like oh wow like you're kind of removed from at least I am like I oh I've never heard of that but I actually went to a Theranos and got my blood work done and at the time it was actually amazing so I'm sad that it turned out so wild and possibly fraudulent so but who knows my blood work may have been incorrect because of all of this anyway Next headline from the New York Times, the FDA, which has been expected to make a ruling on whether products from the e-cigarette maker Juul Labs, we all know Juul, and other large vaping companies could stay on the market. So they've been trying to make a ruling on whether these products can stay on the market, are they safe? The agency said it needs more time. So they've delayed this ruling on their decision. Next headline from the New York Times, this is pretty big news. El Salvador this week became the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, even making this more this financial digital revolution that's happening right now with cryptocurrency, making it even more to the forefront, making it such a big splash. So El Salvador, first country to do it. 
Last headline from Gizmodo, House Party, the video chat app that you may have used last year to stay connected with your friends and do fun games, all of that fun stuff. It's shutting down. So Epic Games is shutting the app down. The vibe was saying that it has served its purpose. They're going to focus on other social networking options. So say goodbye to House Party. Those are it for our business and tech headlines. Make sure to follow the Working Girl Talk Instagram account. Throughout the week, we post headlines so you know what's going on in the biz and tech world. I am so excited for today's guest. I have known Becca Booker for a few years now, and she is always such a delight to talk to and is just so fun. She's the owner and CEO of Homemade Social, which is a social media agency in Arizona. She started it as a side hustle and quickly turned it into a profitable and powerful female empire. She now supports three employees and an extensive clientele with a growing wait list. Arizona Foothills, a magazine in Arizona, actually called her the modern social media queen. Love to see it. In today's episode, we talk about Becca's start in social. We also talk about mental health and social media. So for all my working girls that work in social media, I think you'll really find the conversation valuable because we know how draining and exhausting social media can be when you work in the field because social media never sleeps. We also cover learnings that Becca has had as a CEO and what it takes to be a social media professional. We talk about the hiring process and it's really fun because she goes on both sides. She talks about applying to social media jobs, what they look for, but also on the other side, some tips on how to hire. So much more, so much goodness. I really hope you enjoy this conversation. Actually, I know you'll enjoy this conversation. Welcome Becca to the show. This is such a fun little reunion. Becca, I feel like I've known you for a long time. I think it's probably been like three years. Yeah. Okay. It even feels longer, but yes, it probably is that. Yeah. I think like Dames Collective brought us together. Yeah. Yes. I think so. And then discovering that we both went to ASU and we both went, you went to Cronkite too, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So we both went to the same school. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I missed it. (laughs) Well, thank you for joining us on Working Girl Talk. I know that everyone's going to be so excited to hear from you. So this is going to be fun. As with any Working Girl Talk episode, we're going to dive into your career. So we want to go back, back a little bit in time here because working in social media, I know that this wasn't even always a career option. So when you were a kid what was like the dream career for you? Because I'm assuming it wasn't to own a social media agency. That is correct. Um, (laughs) So I had two that I remember. Um, First grade, the 1998 Winter Olympics had just happened. I wanted to be a professional figure skater because of Michelle Kwan. I remember her. I got on course. And then when I was in high school, I actually went to a like week long summer camp for people interested in going to medical school. (laughs) This is like band camp, but like (laughs) 10 times nerdier probably. But it was actually very interesting. I saw like cadavers. It was crazy, but I came home and told my parents, I learned that I did not want to be a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) But the good news is I learned that early on, like, you know, didn't have to go to medical school and pay for it to figure out we didn't want to go. (laughs) Yes, that's a good thing. Once you get to like the college age, how do you decide on a major? Like, what do you end up studying? 
to end up getting oh. to where you are now. We're trying to. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Okay. So I actually started as a business communications major, um, mainly because I, like, I remember in high school, I was in ASB. Weren't you too? Wait, what is Our that? student government? Oh yeah. 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 yeah Did okay. not call it that, but yeah. I don't know why my <laughs> school called it that. Um, but I loved always like making the sayings that went on like the school t-shirts and the yes. posters. So I was like, maybe I'll go into advertising or something, but that wasn't like a major. So I put business communication and then probably in the first week I learned that like, you know, there's a prestige around having like a BS instead of a BA degree and I should switch to marketing. So I did that. <laughs> and then I also learned my freshman year that I was on track to graduate in like two and a half years with like my college credit I got from high school. Mm-hmm. And I was having so much fun that I was like shopping around for other majors to add on because I didn't want to leave early. And one of my good friends at the time was in PR at Cronkite. And I thought she was so cool. She was interning at Fender, like the guitar company. And so I added on PR. (laughs) That is so cool. And I I feel you on that because I ended up doing PR at Cronkite too. And I think at the time that was like what, if you were going to end up in social media, even if you didn't know that's what you're going to end up in, that's what you did. Yes. It was like micro journalism. Yes. Yes, Mm -hmm. for sure. Definitely more like the brand side. Yes. And like, I liked that having the marketing degree, put the strategy into thought and like how marketing fits into like a, you know, a business overall. Yeah. I love. So now that you own a social media agency, if you look back, when did you like discover that social media could be a job and how did you even get into that? Okay. Great question. Um, so the first like role I had in social media was actually for my sorority at ASU. I was voted, I think this was in like 2012, our first ever, like it was literally called the Instagram chair. And it's just the girl's job to run the Instagram. And I was a new member and I got um, voted into it. I remember I ran against like seven or eight girls and I was so shocked that (laughs) I I got it. Um, But yeah, so that was like my first taste of it. And I loved it. Like I literally treated that weird small volunteer position like it was my full-time job to the point where like when I think I took over the Instagram, I think we had like 200 followers like it was just like the members following us at the time and to when I graduated or like when I left that position, um, we had over 10,000 and it was like 20% more or 30% more than any other sorority on ASU's campus at the time. That's amazing. And so like, thank you. I like, and that's when I knew, like I was having so much fun with it too. I was like, I could totally do this for a living. And so I started looking and that was probably right around the time too. when like, social media internships started like existing, (laughs) you know, like I had had an internship my freshman year, but it was in marketing. And I remember like, it was actually at Coca-Cola and I was like under the account representative for ASU. So I was kind of like his eyes and ears on ASU's campuses for like events and like sponsorship opportunities. And we were supposed to sponsor this event. And I was like, why don't we create a Facebook event for it? And he shot the idea down and I thought that was so dumb. (laughs) But like now that I'm, you know, a business owner, I see like, especially with corporate America, there would have been lots of loops to jump through to like actually make that happen. But I just remember like suggesting these things and they were like, they had no desire to get into social media, like at least on ASU's campus. 
And so I quit that internship and worked for like a mom and pop. I guess it was like e-com, but for pets, you know, like cute and chic, like pet toys and beds and collars. And I did their social media and posted just like dog memes. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that's kind of it. Like I just got an early taste of it literally by like volunteering for essentially a club I was in, my sorority. And then just started like picking up internships and like testing different ones out. The fact that you even said the sentence like, yeah, they just weren't interested in getting into social media is mind boggling because now, now you like can't survive without it. Right. (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) They were literally like the main sponsor. Like it was like Coca-Cola at, it it wasn't like Devil Palooza, but it like, it was something like that. Remember that event? Right. Like yeah. Like one of the welcome weekends yes. or something. I think it was something like that. And they were like, they had no interest in <laughs> considering that path. I was like, okay. It reminds me of those old clips of, I think it's a clip from the Today Show where they first introduced the internet. And it's like, what's the internet? Is this going to be something that sticks around? Like that was like, oh my God, I haven't <laughs> seen this. <laughs> I need really? to watch it. Yeah. But it's like that. It's like, oh yeah, that's, that's going to be a thing. Uh, But yeah, social media as well. So then you work in social media professionally Mm -hmm. and you end up at Blogettes. Yes, good memories. I remember, I remember. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you eventually take the leap and start Homemade Social. So I want to talk about that transition. So you're working in social media professionally. Let's, let's, let's dissect this here. Okay. A lot of people, a lot of listeners of this show are interested in starting their own agency in, in social media mm-hmm. or marketing or just their own business in general. So did you side hustle a little bit at first? Did you make the plunge? How did that process go? Okay. Yes. I definitely side hustled. Um, I probably, well, I, so we'll backtrack. When I graduated college, I took a job at Target doing nothing related to marketing, but I think I felt like societal pressures to take a job at a fortune 500 company with a 401k and I don't know I loved the brand target so I was like how bad can it be like I it was awful um so (laughs) it was really bad so I quit that job like three months later and didn't have anything lined up and between like maybe my senior year of college I had I had a DSLR camera and so like my sorority sisters would pay me to um take their senior photos so I'd like kind of had some side income going through that. So I like, that was always kind of like a side thing from the beginning. But then when I left Target, it was kind of like, okay, I have to figure something out. And so I started like, that's when I started really um, utilizing my portfolio that I first designed at Cronkite, like my website landing page. I like put that to use, made it like a real portfolio with my services and stuff. Um, I would apply for all these gigs on Upwork. And thankfully I had a friend who was interning at Blogettes, but a job for a copywriting, no, editorial assistant position um, had just ended like the cutoff date. And I texted her, I was like, hey, do you know if they filled it or, you know, like, could I still apply? And she's like, if you apply today, they'll consider you. Mm -hmm. And I got it, but that was only (laughs) part-time. And then I got another job working part-time at a small social media agency. So between the two, I was like working 40 hours a week. And then on top of that, I was doing some freelance work. And then eventually I got brought back or brought on full-time at Blogettes. I was 
I went from their assistant or editorial assistant to their, I think they're like social media coordinator to their marketing director all within eight months. Like from the date I started to when I was marketing director, it was like eight months. So amazing. It was really weird going from feeling like at rock bottom of my career, like after leaving Target, like, oh my God, what did I do? What, what was I thinking? Like, I don't know. You never want to feel that way right out of a job after college, especially like when you had so many successful internships, like along the way, like I was like, oh my God, where did I go wrong? To eight months later, being at like the highest position of marketing at this company that was so cool. And I was just like, I mean, all along, I still kept doing these like side gigs, doing social media for some really small companies on the side. Like I would do it at night or like post for them on my lunch break. (laughs) So I just like made it work. And then as I was at Blogettes, I was there for like a total of two years. Um, I took a course in Facebook advertising and this was 2016. So like, it was a skill that some people had, but most people who had it were like nerdy men. (laughs) And so being a woman in the creative space I was in, I think really set me apart. And I realized that once I had that skill, I was like, oh my God, I could totally now offer this as a freelance service for a lot more. Um, so I secured a couple more clients and then I put in my two weeks and I was just like crossing my fingers, <laughs> but I remember specifically telling my coworkers, I was like, oh my God, I would never want to start an agency. Like when I left, <laughs> I literally said those words. I was like, I would never want to, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> that highlights something too, that gaining new skills, making yourself marketable. I think that's something that's always like in actively seeking out those opportunities I think that's something that's always a good takeaway for sure and I think something that's underrated too is like the timing of it like Facebook advertising was just becoming a more like approachable skill to learn like you know not everyone could do it but basically and I think that's something that's kind of going on now with like you know TikTok marketing you know or like you can compare that to like the new media of today yeah totally the early adoption. Yeah, always, exactly. Always get you. <laughs> yes. um, and then I have to ask, what course did you do? Um, it, so at the time it was just under this girl's like personal name. It's called, her name's Kat Howell, C-A-T. Um, and then I believe she has rebranded and it's now called Eight Loop. There you go, everyone. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. So now we start homemade social. You as like the sole, like now you're a business owner, was it always homemade social from the beginning or did it kind of evolve into that? Good question. So I also, I didn't even mention this. I had a personal blog while I was at Blogettes. Yeah, like it was something that like- According to books, right? Yes, according I mean, to books. I still have it. I don't really post to it much anymore, but it was kind of like company culture. Like everyone there basically had their own personal blog. It was kind of fun. Um, and so I already had this website where I was like posting things and driving traffic to on my personal Instagram. So I just added a tab to my website that had like my social media services. Um, so that was like a relatively easy transition when I went full-time freelance and I did all my operations under according to books. Um, and then I hired, so I quit my job in October of 2017 or I guess I started my freelance adventure in October of 2017. 
Um, and in January is when I like had my first round of interns for a semester. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like I need to apologize to the first couple <laughs> round of interns I had. I had no idea what I was doing. Like looking back, I'm like, I was like compared to what our internship program is like now, we were so disorganized. Like it was just me. Why am I saying we? It was me. I was disorganized. I really had no idea what I was doing. I heard, I mean, I was a manager at Bloggettes, but like we weren't really given any managerial training. And so I just like didn't know what I was doing. So I hired some interns and then I got to a point where I needed to like bring one of them on at least part-time and I was like this is weird if I'm still just marketing myself as a freelancer I was almost having like imposter syndrome uh expanding to a new brand name because I was like oh my god people are contacting me to work for me are they going to be mad if you know I'm like hey meet Haley she's gonna help you out on your account like I went through a lot of mindset issues but about a year and a half later um, I launched as homemade social, I would say like maybe four or five months before that we were basically operating as homemade social, but the website hadn't launched yet. The branding, the name wasn't there yet. Um, and the rest is history. <laughs> I love it. And you mentioned something that I think will be really valuable for people to hear because that leap from sole person, just me to hiring people oh no, what are my clients going to think? Kind of like letting go of that trust. So what would be one piece of advice for somebody dealing with that same thing right now? I remember these are like some of the things I told myself, or at least one thing that I remember was that like, I have to trust that these people would trust someone I trust. Does that make sense? Like I obviously wouldn't hire someone to work with our clients if I did not believe that our clients would be in the same care. Um, And another thing could be like, I can potentially, and obviously did give clients better service when there was more on our team, because that allowed me more time, more freedom to invest in their accounts or their strategy or, you know, so it's just like, it's just mindset. It's crazy. Yes. Our minds are very powerful. (laughs) Yes. Got therapy next week. (laughs) (laughs) I support that. Um, So now Homemade Social is born. How do you decide or how did you decide on what services to offer? Because I know that social media is a lot of things and people Mm -hmm. may not realize that when you hear social media. So how did you pick what service you're going to offer for people? That's a good question. I would say I was almost broader then than I am now. I've really honed in like our, at our core, I would say 90% of people come to us for Instagram and Instagram stories. And then plus they might add, you know, enough more channels, more advertising, some email marketing, but the bulk, or like, I would say the, the like roots of basically everyone's service who works with us is Instagram. Um, but I just like grabbed, I just did what I, what came easy to me. Like when I was at Bloggettes, I wasn't super involved in like the content creation aspect of it. So though we offer that as a service now, that's something we outsource to some of our trusted photography partners. Um, and we like oversee that, but I just like, you know, I was like, what am I good at? What do I want to do? <laughs> and worked backwards. Love it. Love working backwards. Such a good tactic. So now working in social media, you have 
your team is getting even bigger. Um, You have interns and you mentioned that internship program. And this is, I would say this is a competitive field. And I mean, because I work in the digital space as well. And I think it's because, well, one, like it, it changes businesses' lives. It's <laughs> yes. like, it's such a huge impact, but also there's always a little bit of like, some people think they can do it. Like, a, like because oh my God. Has yes. a, I'm trying to be like diplomatic. In the I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. But it, I think it's because everyone has their own personal social media. So you, maybe you think you can do it professionally. So I feel like the space is very competitive when it comes to jobs and hiring and um, deciphering who's a good fit and who's not. So now that homemade social is this established brand, and I'm sure a place that many people want to work, including people that listen to this show, what do you look for? Like what separates somebody as a great social media manager or say social media, like content creator? Okay. I actually feel like I have a lot of good advice to give here because I've basically, I'm currently going through the hiring process for the fourth time this year, the third time, or sorry, the first time it was a really good learning experience because we went through the whole process with someone who we loved and they didn't accept the offer. They got an offer from someone else that they went with and we, we didn't have a backup at the time. So like that, I've learned so much along the way. Like um, I will say that we recently filled about a month ago, we posted a job listing for social media or our assistant social media manager position. Would you like to guess how many applicants we got? <laughs> Probably a ton. I'll say like 40. Is that we got 170? Oh my goodness. <laughs> but I will say, okay, after I went through every single I literally went through every single applicant and pro tip if you are hiring, LinkedIn makes it really easy to categorize people into good, maybe, or no. And they will automatically, if you like know someone's a no, they will automatically send them an email saying like thank you for applying, but we, you will not move forward. That is so nice. Yeah, it was great. So basically what I did was, um, we, or I put together my top seven candidates, um, and I presented them to the rest of the team and we narrowed it down to three. So I offered interviews to three. One of them, even though it was clearly spelled out in the requirements and whatever, did not live in Phoenix. So she didn't make it to an interview, (laughs) (laughs) but the other two, um, proceeded with interviews and we just like knew which of the two we wanted to go with right away. And so I don't know, I'll like some things that stand out to me are like social media, such as service-based industry. And it's so detail oriented, any typo you make in a resume or an email correspondence, I'll notice right away. Um, your communication skills via email are really important, like breaking things down into bullet points for me. How easily are you hyperlinking things? Like that's such a huge component of not only communicating with our clients, but how we communicate with each other as a team. So like, I don't know, um, professional communication is a really big one. And then um, trying to, oh, and I always assign our applicants a project just to like, Sometimes it's like, I know that they're going to do a good job at it, but I just want to know how detail oriented they are and if they can follow directions, you know, like I'll I'll know that the final product will be good, but will it be delivered on time? Did they, you know, 
did they confirm that they received the project details? Like there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, for sure. I, those are some really good tips on both sides too, for somebody hiring and for somebody mm. applying. So yeah, great breakdown. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Learned a lot in that area this year. <laughs> I love it. And now that we are talking about this employee side, I wanted to also discuss with you the emotional toll that social media can have on people working in social media. And even as a consumer of social media, we all have our moments where we want to step away. But as somebody working in this field, it's one of those things where you can't really turn it off because it's Mm -hmm. your job. And even that, like people that work in social media, your hours are so weird because depending on where your client's located, maybe you have to post after the normal nine to five, or there's an event like social never sleeps and the the social managers probably don't either. (laughs) So you're so right. Well, there's been a lot of like, um, I know you had Lauren Ruiz or Lauren Boyd on the podcast. I worked with Lauren maybe in April to completely update, excuse me, update our contract and specifically the communication and basically like the boundaries section of our client communication. And so there's like, just being in the business for a while, I've noticed things that like, like usually we don't do well with personal brands. Like if someone needs help and like, say they're a big influencer or, you know, a big type of personal brand, they're usually aren't operating in a normal nine to five setting. Right. And so I'm looking for clients who are also going to be working and respecting a nine to five um, communication schedule. Um, But that's like a big thing for us uh, culturally as a team. Like, I don't know if we've ever had to work past like 5.05 PM. Like sure, every now and then on weekends, we'll have to log in to share a client post or something. But um, that's just really important to me that we don't have to do that. Um, And another thing I've done recently is I turn off my likes on when I look at feeds, like, you know what I mean? You know, you can turn it off one of two ways. Mm -hmm. And the reason I did that is because like, I'd be scrolling through and like a client's post from the day would pop up and I'd either like say it didn't do well. Likewise, it would be really hard for me to stop thinking about like, my brain is just programmed to like fix something. So I'm like, what could we have done better? How, why didn't this do well? You know, like I just couldn't turn my brain off. And so that has really helped. I would highly recommend doing that if you work in social media. Um, I think I was going to say something else. Oh, have you watched the F1 documentary yet? No. Okay, but do you know what it is? Like, it's like the European NASCAR. Okay, I saw you posted about it on your story. (laughs) Yeah. That was my only exposure. I have an analogy for you and you'll just have to bear with me. (laughs) Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so one thing I learned while watching the show, and this probably sounds so dumb, but like, I didn't realize that the guys in the pit crew didn't just put on the tires. Like, these are really high paying high level engineering jobs like aerodynamics and whatever like they're calculating based on the where the race is and what the track is and what the weather is like what tires to put on and what tail to put on the car and like I had no idea that this went into it I thought it was just like every driver had the same car and their performance just depended on the driver right but I was realizing as I was watching this that like 
Okay, here's where the analogy comes in. A social media manager, it could be internal or an agency or, you know, a freelancer, is the driver. And the client or the rest of the team or the business is the pit crew. And my reasoning for that is like, if they win, the social media manager gets a lot of the credit. And if they crash, it's the social media manager's name who gets all the beef and has to go through all the press and talk to everyone when, you know, it might've equally been the fault of the team, like the pit crew. So, and like another thing that I can take this analogy further, like your, I'm so interested. (laughs) Your performance and like, you know, social media analytics are always public. Like it's not like if you're in email marketing, you send out an email and no one knows your open rate, but you like you're posting and everyone knows how many followers you have, how many likes Mm -hmm. your posts got, like everything about our business is very public and it can be really mentally exhausting. And so I have a lot of respect for these, these F1 drivers that are all like young guys in their twenties, like doing this high stress, high, I don't know, high level jobs that I can relate to in an odd way. (laughs) So thank you for coming to my analogy. (laughs) That is so interesting. I didn't know they were actually like professionals either. Right. Or like actual like experts. You always just see like the two things that come to mind are like Ricky Bobby and mm-hmm. and cars and yes. like the little pit crew people are like not anything fancy in either. Exactly. And like people. I can name, you know, like Danica Patrick or like, I don't know, I guess I can't name that many drivers. Jeff but Gordon. I, Jeff Gordon. Gordon. That's a good good one. I think of Wheaties when I think of him. <laughs> but I can't name anyone who's ever been on a pit crew. Like yeah. And I'm not saying they're not important, but like in order for everyone to succeed, both parts have to do well. But if either team messes up, it's always the driver that gets the, the blame. Yes. That is such a good analogy because you're at both you. ends. Yes. <laughs> it's my soul because I've been on like the high of, yes. oh, wow, we got this many followers. We met the goal. And then the low of, wow, we didn't reach the goal and everything's your fault. Mm -hmm. But you're also looking back at the client like, well, you were late on this deadline or we didn't set clear sale dates or you were out, like you were low on inventory. Like there's so much that social media managers can't control. It's so true. I always say that it can help you like take your business to the next level, but it's never going to save a dying business. Like social media has to have that solid foundation to actually uh-huh. it has to have something to sell and promote or raise awareness right about. it's like a group project and like the social media manager can do a lot of the heavy work but it, it literally cannot succeed if the client or the you know the internal team isn't fulfilling what they need to fulfill or yeah. even like pictures so like if a client um doesn't choose a content creation package with us and wants to handle it internally sometimes that can be a challenge too. Cause I'm like, what if the photos aren't good? Or, you know, like what if they postpone a photo shoot a month and we're, we have to keep pulling from like old imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's, many a, there's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> there is, this is like our event session. Yes. If anyone who has felt that way, they will understand. They, 100%. they get it. <laughs> but, um, because you mentioned clients, I wanted to talk about, you mentioned client boundaries and 
Um, can you give us a little bit of a peek into like your client systems, that organization, organization mm-hmm. there in homemade social, because I know every agency has it laid out a little bit differently, Definitely. how you decide to work with clients, all of that. Yes. So I can, we are, our, our word for the year has literally been boundaries. Um, so this has been an area in 2021 that we have put a lot of like time and effort into, and we actually, so, um, our account manager, her name is Dominique. We just invested in a course for her by a company called dot and co or like dot and company. You may have gotten their ads. And if you haven't, I'm sure you'll start to now, They're listening. Um, but they basically, yes, they basically have like a client concierge, um, like a really big resource, like, and their theory is that account management goes beyond account management. It's also like part hospitality and they have a lot of free work resources too. They have a podcast and, um, a blog, I believe, but we just invested in that course. Um, but okay. On a, from a boundaries perspective, a lot of it comes back to like hours of communication. Um, when we're out of office, uh, a big one is deadlines on feedback. And so say we're sending clients content. I don't know if you use later or not, but later's preview link expires within 48 hours. So we now have in our contract, all feedback is due within 48 hours from receiving the link. Um, And you get one round of edits. And I used to have three. So like we were just, but that just forced clients to just like not give us their full feedback the first time. So um, now we do one round of feedback within 48 hours that has really helped um we also do bi-weekly meetings with clients we have meeting agendas we send them the meeting agendas 24 hours before we send them a meeting recap like I feel like we've transitioned to like this white glove social media management service we try to make it as easy as possible for our clients to work with us because like like we were saying the client has to do some work too to work with us like they have to send us things or you know sign off on things and if we can make it as easy as possible for them to approve something, we will. I love that because if it's easy for them, it's easy for you. Mm-hmm, so exactly. Make and there's no gray area. Like these yes. are the rules. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So much good insight there. And at now you as a CEO and we have so many learning lessons and every step of the way here, as a CEO and the founder of this business, what would you say has helped you the most as a CEO? Like this could be like an investment or um, something like a practice that you've incorporated, like as like the owner of this business, what has been something that's helped you take it to the next level? Okay. Three things come to mind, but um, I'll just list them off. So one has been investing back in my team. I actually put on my vision board for next year. Like I need to define my, my role because I've realized now that I've relied more on my team and empowered them more and they have really clear job descriptions. I'm getting to a point where like, I need to finally give myself one. Like, you know, it's so easy as a CEO when something needs to be done to be like, oh, I'll do it. Like got it handled. But like, I need to at some point be like, hey, who's doing this? even though I technically have the ability and the time to like, I need to have time to actually like run the business, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So investing in my team, I also invested in a business coach this year. Um, Her name's Jessica Marks. That has been really helpful. Um, 
And part of that coaching program, I have like an accountability partner. And it was so crazy because I didn't really know a lot about the accountability aspect of this coaching program going into it. And nor did I really like care for it. And then she announced who our partners were. And it was this business owner. um, It's called Creme Brands, C-R-E-M-E. Um, and her name's Catherine and we got paired together and I've literally followed her since I was at Blogette. She was like the most talented designer. And it was kind of like a pinch me moment to be like, we are like, I'm comparable to her. Like, I was just like so shocked. And so I talked to her bi-weekly, we catch up and, um, it's just nice to have someone else who's kind of like has the same problems as you and you can vent to, and we work, we use each other to like help solve our problems. Um, and then lastly, therapy. <laughs> I have a therapist who I talk to like every other week, um, just virtually. And that has really, really helped just like mindset and anxiety. I love that. Those are really good insights into that. And I think that is so funny. Small world. Jessica has been a guest on this show and she is the greatest. Oh, she's the best. Yeah. Yeah. That is so- um, what I was gonna say Jessica um therapy oh another thing I could say about therapy is that like well what's your Enneagram I'm a three I knew it me too okay (laughs) same energy so yes so I place a lot of my self-worth on my job and my career And so I've been working with my therapist and I'm sure a lot of the, like, of course, I bet you your audience does too, like wanting to, you know, pursue more things in their career. Um, But especially in the pandemic, I realized that like, oh my God, if like I lost my job, I don't know who I would be, you know, (laughs) like, I was like, who, who is Becca without homemade social? And so I've just been working with my, my therapist to like unpack, like my values outside of like career success or like career money and like that and untying my self-worth from that and it has been so helpful in just like kind of becoming human again (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like wow I I didn't realize I was just so like I don't know I don't want to use the word robotic but like I don't that's just kind of the mode I get into and I'm so glad I've been able to kind of I'm still learning how to turn that off it's but. so funny you mentioned that because I was reading something in Fortune today and huh. they she went on this big dig, deep dive into how the pandemic has affected like women in like the workforce because women like there's a good amount of women who feel this way who if you get like in the pandemic there was layoffs and there was a lot of like workplace turbulence so mm-hmm. people who were getting laid off had no identity anymore because you Basically, there was like a, she used like a psychological term for it, but you weeded everything out in your life, like relationships, friends, all these things to where you only had your job left. And Uh that was like how you identified that that's your identity was your job. So when you lose that, you have an identity crisis. I'll have to forward it to you. Oh my God. Yes. That's like, I mean, I never obviously got to that extent, but that's how I felt like, especially working in social media and how detrimental but beneficial social media was Mm. during the pandemic I was just like I have to I need a hobby (laughs) yeah yeah and I think it's important for everyone to remember like your career is there to 
help you fulfill you, like obviously like salary and fulfillment mm-hmm. and purpose, but it's helpful if you to an extent. Yeah, yeah. Like other things in life too. Right. Right. And like, I'll give an example. One of the things that we've learned my therapist, meaning we, me and my therapist is that like a big thing that my career brings me is a, a sense of security. And so like figuring out what value you assign to your career, like, you know, whether it's love, success, knowledge, you know, there's all these values that can go into it. A big one that I tie into it was security. And so when the pandemic did hit and I thought my security was threatened, my anxiety was, you know, terrible. Um, But it's just learning to realize like, if I, like, I, I would still be very safe if I lost my job, you know, I'd figure it out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Such a good mindset to be thinking about. Cause it's really easy to fall into that spiral. Right. And even just now it's easy to, oh, well, I just have one more thing to do. I'll just stay an extra 30 minutes or things like that. Yes. Like where you, it's like, oh, I've stayed at work an extra two hours. And it sounds like your team's really good at setting that boundary, but it's mm-hmm. good to keep in mind because it's easy to forget. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And before we head into the working girl talk top 10, I have to ask, even though I know this isn't your favorite, we're going to dive into a little <laughs> bit of social media tips. First, oh. Becca, tell us why you do not like giving social media tips. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, and this is nothing against the people who are asking for social media tips, but usually it's just, they don't understand how much can go into making a good social media or giving good social media advice. It's really hard to give a one size fits all social media recommendation. And so like, sometimes I I used to do this on um, homemade social every Thursday, I would go live and I would give tips Mm -hmm. and I just got sick of it. (laughs) Couldn't do it anymore. People would be like, what's your number one tip for growing a real estate business? And I'd be like, I could talk about that for 30 minutes. Like, you know, like, and I have more questions to ask, but, um, we, uh, a social media tip I can give that could essentially apply to anyone, um, is to think about how much time people are spending on your content, because ultimately, the more time people are spending consuming your content or reading your caption or swiping through your carousel or re-watching a reel of yours tells Instagram that, hey, this content is valuable. People are sticking around in our app more because of it. And because of that, we can show these viewers more ads and thus we can make more money. So it's kind of sad that it comes down to Instagram and Facebook making more money, but I think if you get, yes, I think you just get in that mentality. Like, what can I do to this post to make someone stay on it another second? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, is there a catch or can I add another personal paragraph that people would want to read or I don't know. That's my two cents. I love it. I love it. And that, that, thank you for you and offering that. Cause I totally understand the whole, like there's so much more that goes into social media advice. So we appreciate, and that is really good advice. Um, and I have to ask now, what do you think about the controversy of Instagram saying they're no longer like a photo sharing platform? Everyone was kind of freaking out. Honestly, like personally, I didn't really, 
I wasn't really phased, but Me <laughs> okay. What's interesting is when Instagram makes an announcement like that, they have been testing whatever they've already decided for years. And so usually the changes have already been made and implemented on the vast majority of accounts for months. And the reason they are making this change is usually because it keeps people in the app longer and they can make more money. <laughs> so I don't like, it wasn't a big game changer for us, but what we did, for example, just as an agency, like on our next client call, we put that as a bullet point um, in our client meeting agenda. Like, hey, what can we do in the next month to record a couple more videos here and there? Like, is there a behind the scenes video you guys could shoot and send to us? Like just getting the client in the mindset of, Hey, is there some, some video, um, or, you know, a different type of post that we could develop to keep Instagram happy basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that's so awesome that you guys mentioned it to your clients too. Cause that displays like your expertise that, you know, what's going on. And it also can ease those concerns because there were definitely a lot of concerns <laughs> floating yeah, around. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's so, so important to be like proactive and yeah bring up what could be a potential problem to the client first. And even if you're just saying like, Hey, we know this announcement was made and we're working on finding a solution for you. That's 10 times better than waiting for the client to be like, Hey, why haven't we incorporated a video this month or something? Totally. Totally. So last question before we head into the top 10 for, which I struggle with this all the time for somebody that feels like basically like how do we define our unique voice? And the, my example here is TikTok kind of started this, the trend of like everyone kind of doing the same thing all the time. And like, <laughs> even like, yeah, you can use the same song, but even like literally copying the content. And it, to me, sometimes it feels like you lose that originality that we yeah. once had a little bit more. So for somebody who's struggling to find their originality in their brand, the homemade social brand does a really good job of that. Your account is so cute and fun. So what would be like your piece of advice for somebody who wants to tap into that originality on their social media profile, mm -hmm. like on Instagram specifically, or who's kind of struggling with that? Like, where do I find my voice in at the midst of all these trends? Okay. Yes. Great question. So I think a lot of it comes down to like, kind of like a um Venn diagram like in one bubble you have what do you love and what makes you happy and then in the other diagram it's like what makes Instagram happy and in the middle it's like what is realistic for you to do consistently because I feel like I see people you know do those I'm gonna do 30 days of bikini try-ons or something and try and get more followers that way it's just really easy to get burnt out um so just look at your analytics, pay attention to what your audience is resonating with. That also falls into your bucket that what do you enjoy and what are you passionate about? Because that's going to be like your moneymaker spot. You're going to have more content ideas. You're going to enjoy making the ideas and your audience already knows that they like it. So like for homemade social, a vast majority of our followers are just other social media managers. So we were like, how can we relate to other social media managers in a shareable, relatable way? Um, so we mix in, you know, every now and then we mix in social media tips or informational or educational content, but the vast majority of our posts are 
relatable <laughs> and you know just yeah. they just like bring a smile to a social media manager's face in the middle of a crazy day hacking the algorithm <laughs> totally so that's it. I love it and it's such good advice know your audience honestly mm-hmm. that can help solve a lot of questions Definitely. so love that advice are you ready to head into the working girl talk talk I'm ready again? my first job ever uh, I was a barista at like a small cafe. My day is not complete without Jojo. Jojo. <laughs> so cute. Next one. I'm obsessed with blank right now. So this could be anything you're obsessed with, a song, a food, a show, a product, whatever. Uh, Nine Perfect Strangers, that show on Hulu with Nicole Kidman. Ooh, I haven't watched, but I am very excited to watch. It's really good very similar to like big little eyes honestly okay we're intrigued (laughs) and next one someone that I look up to uh I believe it's pronounced um her name's Emma Greedy I think she is one of the co-founders of Good American with Khloe Kardashian but she uh originally just had a PR agency and made it work and pivoted into developing one of her PR clients into a co-founder partnership with Khloe Kardashian. <laughs> I'd love to do that. <laughs> the dream. Honestly. The dream. <laughs> that is such a good one. I'm currently listening to. Um, the Morning Toast. I think you listen to, right? Yes. Every day. <laughs> yeah. I was listening to their episode with Lauren Bostick. <laughs> you know, I haven't listened to that one yet. I'm excited because that's like my two worlds coming together. Yeah, I same. love Lauren and I love them. <laughs> favorite workday snack they're like those it's kind of like a jerky stick it's called like a chomp this is like you can go to Mount Trader Joe's it's basically like a jerky stick (laughs) I have blank at my desk always Uh, I'll list off I have (laughs) a timer cube essential oils CBD a face humidifier and my essential oil diffuser tissues notepad water bottle (laughs) Love, love all the essentials. I feel most confident when? Probably just like when I am in my zone of genius. Like, uh, also, this is what I'm working on unpacking. I feel most confident when like business is going great. <laughs> and like, you know, we have lots of leads coming in. It, I'm, but that's something I'm really working on untying my self value to. But it's so sad, like whenever we do have like a really great month or something, I'm just, you know, I'm on cloud nine. It makes me so happy to like, you know, my team's happy and know that there's like growth potential. Yeah. I mean, it's good to celebrate the success too. So you got to celebrate the win. You're right. Yes. In (laughs) quarantine, my boyfriend and I, we've started a tradition where like whenever I would sign a new client at Homemade Social, we would celebrate by getting crumble that Friday night. And it somehow happened where like we signed three clients three weeks in a row and we just kept getting crumble every Friday after that. (laughs) And so now we get crumble basically every Friday, regardless of whether we sign a new client. (laughs) I love you are speaking my language. I like like live at crumble. So we do, we do. And you're an Aries. We're just like, we're on very similar vibes. Yes. Yes. Soul sisters over here. And next one, proudest moment in your career so far? Honestly, this sounds cheesy, but in this last year, it's been so fun to see my team shine. I feel like I'm starting to actually, like I said, like 
wear the actual CEO hat. Like, obviously that's been my title, but I've kind of just been like the jack of all trades, helping out everywhere. But I've actually migrated more into this, you know, mentor role and nurturing role. And it's just like so fun to be able to empower the girls and see them succeed and fulfilled. And like, that makes my day every time. I am inspired by. Okay. This one's, I think you know her too. Nikki Metzger from Body, Scottsdale Body. Oh, okay. I, she has just been on my mind lately. Like, I think she's just such a really great woman and business owner and she's a mom and fun and in amazing shape, obviously. And she really inspires me. I love such a good one. Okay. You made it through the top 10. We did it. (laughs) So where can everyone follow you and homemade social? Lovely. Um, So my handle is bbooks, B-B-O-O-K-S and homemade social um, is at homemade social with an underscore at the end. Love it. Okay. Everyone go check them out. Go enjoy. You will love the content. Thank you so much, Becca. This is so much fun. Thanks for having me, Abby. And right now, while you are listening, make sure to snap a screenshot, share it to your story, tag Working Girl Talk, tag Becca, tag Homemade Social. Let us know what you thought of the episode. Always love to see what you have to say. And I know Becca would as well. And make sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a five-star review, all the reviews. We love to see it. And Apple loves to see it too and shares the podcast with more working women, the more reviews you get. The Friday favorite today, I always end the show with something I like that week. Only Murders in the Building. It's a show on Hulu. It is so fun. We have Selena Gomez, Steve Martin. It is a great time and a huge podcasting element, which you know I'm all about, especially if you're a true crime podcast fan. Check it out on Hulu. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful work day. I will talk to you next week.